You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. So um, I guess if you're new to church, new to this whole thing, uh, we just want to um, first and foremost let you know that this is something that we actually don't have to do. This is not a uh, religious obligation where we have to get together every Sunday and we're forced to worship, we're first forced to serve or give. or None of this is actually obligation. This is actually um, a reaction. This is a response to something that took place in our hearts. And, and really, it's, um, I, I love this about, about God, is that God is a God, yes, you can talk about, and He wants to be talked about, and we should share the message of the gospel all around the world. But again, God's a God. The Bible says that He, is, he has a love that actually surpasses understanding or surpasses knowledge. And so really what that means then is that this isn't something you should just hear tonight. Um, this is actually something you should experience. And so that's our hope for you, that you, you can think, man, I've, I've tried church and I get that, but have you tried God? Like, have you actually encountered Him for real? And that is our hope that you would, um, like we do have an agenda and it's not hidden. Our agenda is that we hope you would experience God the same way many of us have. And the response to that is that we just, we can't help but, but want to worship. And again, we want to serve, we want to give. Again, not because we're demanded to or required to, but simply because it's the overflow of an encounter we've had with God. And so uh, I just want to let you know you're so welcome. And, and we love having you here if you're new to all this. And, and just want to, uh, just for the next few moments, if you just give me a blank canvas, like you, you can make your mind up at the end, but at the end of our time together, uh, I pray that you would, in these next few moments, open yourself up to what, um, what really is the truth of the gospel the message of Jesus. And again, to, to really put aside any preconceived ideas or notions and say, okay, God, I'm gonna give you a blank canvas for a moment and see what's happened. Even if you've been ex- in, in a round church experience before, I'm hoping that you would even do the same thing. Okay, God, like, show me something new about you. And that's what I love about God. I'm, I never get bored of Him. I'm never like, yeah, well, I heard that before. Yeah, beat. No, no, never. It's always something new and exciting. And so uh, we're gonna jump into this. So turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bible, just lean forward, pretend to get something from your feet. You're full 99% of preachers, you brought a Bible. I'm telling you, let's try that right now. Why don't you grab your Bibles with me right now? Okay. Oh, dear Jesus. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That was like resetting huge game of guess who. That was crazy. That was, that was. Anyway. Um, the uh, Colossians is a beautiful portion of Scripture. If you turn with me to Colossians uh, chapter three and verse one, just to paint a picture, I guess, uh, that there is a... Um, there is a guy in the Bible called Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle was once a Christian hater. Like you think you've met people who hate Christians. He was so against Christians that he would actually tear Christian gatherings apart. He would orchestrate the stoning, the the imprisonment of Christians. He hated them uh, with a passion. So again, I love that about Paul or once upon a time Saul, because that tells me and reminds me again that no one is too far gone. No one. So you're here today, you got hope for a family. Remember, guess what? No one's too far gone. No one's out of the reach of the grace of God. And so here is Paul the Apostle. He has now planted most of the New Testament churches. He has also written most of the New Testament letters. So this guy has had a massive turnaround. And then we get to this portion of Scripture, Colossians chapter 3. Um, if I could put it to you this way. Now, this might be a primitive illustration, but take into account I am Australian. So, so, so get, basically, um, uh, if you remember these, someone, you might remember this, so by show of hands, partake in this moment. Does anyone remember um, rabbit ear antennas? Yeah. 
you know what I'm talking about there? Wow, that's awesome. And all the people who haven't put their hand up, that's all the millennials, right? Everybody who's left, they're like, what, the, what is that? Okay, so rabbit ear uh, antennas were basically, you put them on top of your TV and you could kind of change them around to try and get the picture clear, right? Does anyone remember that? So we, we my, my wife, Alana, we've been married this year, 17 years, but when we first got married, all right, hold the applause. No, okay, here we go, go for it, that's fine, that's fine. Okay, so... We, we got uh, married, but when we moved into our first, uh, our first place, it didn't have a, an aerial point to plug the TV in or, or, or like a cable box, so we had to buy rabbit ear antennas. So you literally had it on top of this big kind of a plasma TV, and you had to position the rabbit ear antennas to get a clear picture to the point where she would be watching her favourite show, which was pretty much like the HG channel, you know what I'm talking about? HG channel, yeah, which I feel like will be on repeat in hell, but anyway... Um, <laughs> I digress. So, so uh, the, the rabbit ear antenna, like I'm trying to, she would make me stop and hold the, the, the rabbit ear antennas while the picture was clear. And then as soon as you took your, your hand off it, it would get distorted. And, 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 and then, we, then we got this thing called a HD set top box, which basically meant you could plug it in and at any time you turn on that TV, it was going to be a crystal clear, high definition picture that you were watching. So to, I say all that to say this. Basically, what Paul is doing here through the letter to Colossae or the, church in, the Colossae church, he is saying, um, up until now, you have had a distorted rabbit ear antenna view of Jesus. Sometimes you see Him clearly, sometimes He's distorted. Maybe that's your story here as well. Like, man, sometimes I get God, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's distorted, sometimes it's super clear. But Paul, through the Colossian letter, which is one of my favourite books of the Bible, is saying, you know what? I'm going to put Jesus Christ to you in highest definition. I'm going to make it so clear so that when you see Jesus, it's like, oh my gosh, wow. Like the distortion is gone and I can see things clearly. How many people want to know Jesus a bit more better? Come on, like, I know that's not the best English to know Jesus, just a bit more better, right? Anyone want to do that? Okay, so uh, Colossians chapter three and verse one, Paul says this, watch this. He says, uh, since, he's talking about past tense. So he's assuming everybody who hears this letter is, they're a Christian, they're a Jesus follower. So if you are new to all this and you say, well, that's not me yet, this will still apply to you once you say yes to following Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, basically, since then, you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your realities on heaven. Watch this, where Christ sits in the place of honour. Everyone say sits. Okay, he sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Verse two, watch this, think. I want you to come up. What's that word again? What is it? Yeah, I love it. I love how you guys yell out because some people don't want to yell out in church in case they yell out the wrong thing. You know, when they're like, and Jesus, Moses, like that one joker who yells out the wrong thing, right? Here we go. So he says this, think about, what's that word? Think about things of heaven. Not, that was a little delayed. Anyway, things of heaven and not of, God bless you, peace be with you. Okay, so here we go. Think about things of heaven, not things of earth. Verse three, now catch this and then we're gonna, we're gonna package this together. For you have died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And I wanna speak to you uh, tonight uh, and for all those people that are taking notes and wanna go to heaven, I want you to write this down. I want you, I want you to write this down. Someone panicked. Quick, give me a pen. It's all good. I'm, I'm just relax. Just relax. Okay, um, I want to speak to you from the topic of a perception problem. A perception problem. A perception problem. 
And I have one big point I want to make, okay? And the reason why I have one big point, and this is what I try and do all the time in my own church, is because I figure um, too many points you, you might forget because if you're anything like me, I, I forget things very easily. And so have you ever had like Christian amnesia? Do you know what I'm talking about? Christian amnesia, where you actually walk out from church, you bump into a friend who maybe didn't attend, and you're like, oh, hey, how you going? They're like, oh, how was your day? Oh, it was amazing. How was church? Oh my gosh, it was so good. What did they preach about? And then you're like, um, Jesus? Right, because it's the easy way out, right? which is a good thing, but uh, I have one big point. You ready for my big point? Um, My big point is this. Maybe your problem isn't your position. Maybe your problem is your perception. One more time. Maybe your problem actually isn't your position, the location you're at right now, where you're at in life. Maybe, just maybe, it isn't a position problem. Maybe it is a perception problem. Perception problem. So we're going to package this thought together in the next four and a half hours we have together. You ready for this? I love it. Here we go. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing in this church. And I pray today that we unpackage uh, the truth of who you are. Jesus, that you would be seen in the most clearest, purest form. That people would walk away here, not not hearing man's wisdom, but hearing from God. Hearing the truth of who you are. And I thank you that, Lord, when we experience truth, it's truth that sets us free. So the byproduct of our time together tonight, Lord, is not to overwhelm or burden, but to actually liberate people. So I pray that as we hear this, and not just hear it, but let it infiltrate our hearts, God, we would be set free, Lord, having a totally different perception of you and the life we're living right now. Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Perception problem. How many people have heard this, um, this statement before? Uh, perception is reality. Anyone heard that statement before? Perception is reality. In other words, what, the, what this statement alludes to is that if you have a perception of something, whether that perception is right or wrong, it is actually constructing your reality. That's what it's saying, that if you perceive it to be that way, well, then that's your reality. Again, so, so if that is the case, how many people would conclude that if, if that is the case, we must, we must correct our perceptions? If perceptions are forming our reality, like the chances are you might be living in a reality right now that wasn't your intended reality, it was just the way you always perceive things. So the byproduct of that perception is that, man, oh, that's just how I do my life. That's how I see my life. It's through this perception and it may very well be a misperception for that matter. But perception is reality. So so I'll put it this way. Um, Have you ever had your your, your reality messed with through perception? Do you know what I'm talking about? Let Let me explain it this way. I remember when me and Lana first got married, we actually, we thought um, before we have kids, let's do all the fun things that we want to do with our kids before we have kids so we can actually enjoy it. Come on, all the parents, where you at? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, because once I have kids, man, they're going to they're gonna want things. They're going to be distracting. They're going to be tired and hungry. I'm like, no, no, let's actually enjoy it now. And so we can say that we did enjoy it before we take our kids there. So we thought, let's do it before we have kids. So, we actually, so for all the people who are newly married, having kids, come on, relish in it. Rel- like take it in. Enjoy it while you can. Don't, don't come up and say, man, I'm super tired. Shut up. You're not tired. You're not tired. You're not. No, no, just, just suck it up. You know, no, it's all good, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm just venting. Um, Calm down, James. Calm down. Okay, breathe. Okay. Uh, so we thought, let's do all the fun things first. So, so we did. We, we actually, uh, again, before we even moved to San Diego, we we're still living in Sydney back then and youth pastors, we thought, let's go to the most magical place on earth and let's enjoy it before we have kids. So how many people know the place I'm talking about? Come on, that's, that, that's right. We, we, we actually went to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. You walk in there. 
I love Disneyland. Like we have nothing like that in Australia. Like really, there's nothing. We just got all dangerous things everywhere. That's all we have. That's our informed entertainment. We've got sharks, crocodiles, snakes, my mother-in-law, all dangerous things, right? So, <laughs> so anyway, so we have, uh, we, we, we thought, let's go. We go into the most magical place on earth. When you walk in, the music's playing. Like, man, you get caught up in the moment. Like I hear this Disney princess moving. I just start spinning out. I'm like, yes, this is the, I'm a princess kind of. And, and, and then we walked into, um, there's actually the Snow White Castle. In Snow White Castle, there's actually a robotic witch um, from Snow White that's at the window. I don't know if she's still there, uh, but, but it's a robot. It pulls back the curtain and then kind of like makes a, like a face and then pulls back and pulls the curtain back. And so I, I remember having the, my, I didn't have my iPhone back then. I had a camcorder. You know what I'm talking about, camcorders? Where you at? Yeah, yeah. You know those big things? You wound them up or something? I don't know. So we had the camcorder. And you've got to be really careful what you say on camera um, because it's recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the witch comes to the window and, and, and I put my camera on, I start zooming in. My, mother, my mother-in-law's name is Loretta. And so I, I had the camera and I zoomed in on the window. The witch comes to the window. I'm like, oh, Loretta, what are you doing here? <laughs> anyway, so bad, so bad, right? <laughs> it was even worse when we actually got home to watch the video of the holiday. And then you see this witch on the video and then my voice, oh, Loretta, what are you doing here? She's, she attacked me. I'm like, get back, scorpion woman. Anyway, so... I'm playing, I'm playing, it's all good. Is this recorded? Take it easy, okay. So, so uh, we, we then, we, then uh, we go to a, uh, a, a ride that I had never been on before. Okay, true story. Um, in, at this point, I was probably about 22 years old. And so at 22, uh, I had never in my life been to a 3D film before. Three-dimensional, I'd never been to one. Again, just very sheltered child, obviously. And so uh, when we went to Disneyland, they didn't just have a 3D film. Come on, somebody, they had a... 4D film, that's right, an extra D. They had it there, and, and which basically means not only do you see things three-dimensional, but you can, you, you see senses start kicking in, so you can feel things. And I'm like, man, this is gonna be unbelievable. And it was a bug's life in 4D. Is it still there? I don't know, it's awesome, right? And so, so we walk in uh, to a bug's life in 4D, and, and as you walk in, the, the voice uh, comes over, the, kind of the room dims, and this voice comes over, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. I'm like, oh, okay, take your seats, great. So we walk over and we sit down on this bench chair, and, and, and then the voice comes back, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the bugs. I'm like, the bugs? What does that mean? And then suddenly you feel something crawl underneath, like you're like, oh, like this. I'm like, oh my gosh. I look at the old lady next to me, I'm like, stop it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> take it easy. So the film starts, again, again, talk about messing with your reality. I, I, I see, again, first time ever I've been into a 3D, let alone a 4D film, this butterfly flies into the auditorium. This butterfly, big cartoon butterfly, and I, have, I'm, I start flipping out. I'm thinking, did she drug me? What, like, what's going on? And, and, and I look and the butterfly stops right in front of my face. Now again, I just have to preface, I had never been to a 3D film, let alone a 4D film before. And so I'm, I start flipping out. I'm like, oh my gosh, babe, am I holding my, I'm holding a hand on my babe. You wouldn't believe it. I have got the best seat in the house. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's right in front of me. The butterfly stopped in front of me like this. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going crazy. She's looking at me. Everyone's looking at me. What are you getting excited about? I start yelling down the line. I'm like, ha, 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 best seat. Sorry, guys. Butterfly stopped in front of me. And my wife looks at me. She's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Everyone's seeing that in front of them. It's not just you. Why? Because I had a perception problem. 
It's what I perceived that then formed my reality. I was convinced, man, I'm the only one seeing it this way. Surely this is, this is the way it is. But everyone was seeing it the same way. I had a perception. Problem, problem. Now, the idea of a perception is this, that if perception informs your reality, then again, I come back to the point, we must be very careful about how we perceive things. How do we perceive things? In other words, what is going on up here? Now, I'm not to spend time here talking like some type of life coach guru. I'm going to talk about your thinking and the power of your mind. But the truth is, the Bible says, if you're going to transform your life, the Bible actually says in Romans 12 that the transforming actually comes from the renewing of your mind. In other words, how you think is extremely important. How you think can actually have the ability to construct or destruct the way you're doing life. Why? Because perception becomes your reality. So in, 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 if, if that being said, we've got to be making sure that we don't have a perception problem. Yeah. Now catch this. If, if perception starts in the mind, and I must be careful about what I think, I'm not just talking about what you think sporadically once off. I'm talking about what you perceive or think about consistently. What are you thinking about all the time? What is the constant thought going through your mind at this point right now? Maybe because it is talking about vision builders, maybe you're thinking a lot about money, but maybe not from the perception of a healthy way, but from an unhealthy way, you're consistently thinking about it over and over and over again. This applies to any area of your life. What are you consistently thinking about? Now, we have this, um, uh, it's like a tourist, tourist attraction outside of Sydney. Uh, it's called the Janolan Caves, the Janolan Caves. And it's actually quite a, it's quite a magical place and people come from all over to go and visit the Janolan Caves. And here's the reason why. Now, I'm going to chuck this picture up on screen. I want to show you a picture. This is what the Janolan Caves are. Now, when you go there, it almost looks like magical, mystical, magical place that you would enter into, like this, this kind of like Narnia-like kingdom, like what is that? What, what happened? But really, uh, this is actually a real it's, it's, it's a real geographical place, underground, this cave. And, and I went there as a kid on like a, a school trip, you call them that, like excursion, something like that. And, and it's, again, my language barrier here right now, and I was like, school trip, drugs are bad. Okay, like, <laughs> so, um, so basically the Dodolan Caves, the reason why they're quite amazing and the reason why they're formed that way is actually because of a slow process that took place hundreds of years ago. What happens is that water leaks from the roof of the cave and as the water leaks down, it actually grabs sediment from the soil, dirt from the soil, and slowly brings it down and down and down. And over hundreds of years, what was just a little bit of water and a little bit of soil, a little bit of sediment, actually turns into massive pillars. Now catch this. In a similar way, that thought you keep thinking about over and over, repetitively over, over, over again. Guess what? It's not just something, well, it's just a little insignificant thought. No, it's actually forming the foundations of your thought. It's changing the way you perceive things. Why? Because that one little thought is actually constructing your reality now because you keep on thinking about it all the time. So some of you had words spoken over you as a child. Man, you are pathetic. You will go nowhere. You are pathetic. You will go nowhere. You are pathetic. You will go nowhere. And that one little slow dripping of thought has formed a structure in your mind where now when you look at yourself, you think, man, I'm pathetic. I'm going nowhere. Why? All because of your, your perception, your thought. So this is why this is so amazing because when Paul comes to the Colossian church, he says, I want to revolutionise the way you think. Paul, he seems to be an expert, even though this is thousands of years like before we even had psychology or study of the human mind, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has an insight into the way God fashioned and formed us. He says, listen, if you're really gonna transform your mind, it starts with your perception. It starts with your thoughts. 
And I want to bring a change. Christ really wants to bring a change. The Holy Spirit really wants to bring a change. But what are you consistently thinking about? Now, now let, let's just not go there for a moment. I, I don't want to go there talking about how do you think about you because Paul is not saying, well, it's not about just how you think about you. First things first, what I need to correct is your perception of God. Because if I don't correct your perception of God, you will start to get perception rearrangement of yourself. But at the end of the day, come on, you could, if you could help you on your own, you would have helped you by now. So you need something bigger than you. You need God. That's why the Christian faith is so amazing. It's the, it's the reminder that, man, I cannot do this on my own. I need a higher power, but He has a name. Come on, it's Jesus Christ, and I need Him in my life to transform my life. Right, so I love this. This, uh, one of my uh, favourite writers, a guy called Dr. E. Stanley Jones, he says this, when we say we begin with God, watch this, we, be, we begin with our idea of God and our idea of God is not God. Watch this. Instead, we ought to begin with God's idea of God and God's idea of God is Christ. So maybe you have, again, we live in Southern California by we, I mean you, you live here and you are accustomed to church, you're accustomed maybe to uh, religious thought and idea. And I wanna say to you, don't just construct your own idea of God based on what you think about Him. Come back to the way God wants you to think about Him and that is actually through the person of Christ. Jesus must be the one that forms your theology. He must be the one that forms the way you think about God. And listen, don't even look to other Christians for that. Well, I looked at Christians and they did this and that's why I don't believe in God. No, don't look to Christians. Yes, we should be little Christ, an example of Jesus, but ultimately we need to look to Jesus to be the ultimate example. That way I'm never disillusioned when they let me down because they were never holding me up in the first place. My, my perception, my thought was always on the person of Christ. So Paul says this, listen, um, if, if I, I wanna change your perception because you have a perception problem. Turn the person next to you and say, you got a perception problem. Not to mean to be offensive and, wow, some people are like, wow, that really hurt. But just, it's all good. We'll buy a coffee after and we'll, we'll talk. But um, we all really have a little bit of a perception problem. We do. So Paul says, um, he, he says, I need to rearrange the way you're thinking about this. He says, first things first, he says, if then you've been raised with Christ, like if that moment where you said yes to Jesus was really that genuine, sincere encounter with Him, if then that has happened, he says, set your minds, your thoughts on things above. So if, if we're gonna rearrange our perceptions, first things first, I need to recognise that He sees things I do not see. That gives me great comfort. That gives me great peace. Because some of you are looking at your life right now, and you're like, man, how am I ever gonna get through this? How am I ever gonna get over this? How am I ever gonna get past this? And God is saying, you know what? I can see things you can't see. And if you would set your mind on things above, you'd realise, I got this. Okay, okay, I haven't got yet. Let, let me put it this way. Um, I was flying into um, uh, Melbourne, which is in, uh, in Australia, Melbourne, right? So I'm flying in. And, and, and when I fly in there, um, I actually looked out the window and I'm sitting on the, win on the window aisle and I looked down and I can see a, a freeway, a highway, and there's a traffic jam. There must've been an accident and it was piled all the way back and I could see this truck trying to pull out onto the freeway, but it couldn't because the traffic jam was blocking it. And, and, I, and I had this thought initially, I'm like, wow, that, like, I'm so glad it's not me. It's a bit sadistic, but that's my thought. Initially, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I'm up here and he, you know, he's down there. But then I could actually see from my elevated point of view that down the freeway, the traffic had stopped and there was a massive break coming. And then I started to think, if only he could see what I could see. Like maybe, just maybe, he could have the patience and the endurance to stay there a little bit longer if he knew the break was coming. Are you catching what I'm saying here tonight? 
Listen, you might be seeing things right now in front of you. It seems like, man, how am I ever gonna get over this, get through this? And God says, if you would see things from a heavenly perspective, you'll see that I've actually got a break coming down the way, but you gotta trust that it's coming. And what I'm doing in you is developing endurance and patience, come on, that you would actually become stronger and bigger, but I can see sometimes what you can't. So you gotta set your mind on things above where, now watch this, point number two, he says, set your mind there. Like understand he sees things that you don't see. But secondly, he says, where Christ is seated. Oh man, this is big. Catch this. We often don't read Scripture in context because we're so busy just doing life and we don't actually unpackage the layers of Scripture. And I wanna encourage you, come on. One of the best things you can do for your marriage, for your business, for your fathering, for your mothering is actually just get a healthy devotional life. Come on, somebody. Like actually study Scripture and just, in, just indulge in Scripture, love Scripture because the more you study it, the more boring it gets, the more liberating it becomes. And context, it really is. It's, context is the playground for revelation. You start to see things. My goodness, I never saw that before. And as I started to study, not just the fact that he says he's seated, but actually what it meant when it says he's seated. Yeah. Do you realise that um, there's two, two uh, things or reasons why someone would sit in this kind of, uh, this ancient time. One of them was to teach. They would sit down and they would declare truth from a seated position. And the reason why, because secondly, the seated position was a position of authority. A king would sit and declare. He wouldn't stand, he would sit. And so when the Bible says where Christ is seated, he's actually referring to Paul the Apostle that, that Christ is actually in a position of authority right now. Now I, now I love this because the posture of heaven is something we should give our attention to. Because posture matters. Do you realise that? Like some people like, <laughs> says the chiropractor from the front going, amen, let's preach it. Okay. I love it. As soon as I said posture matter, everyone's like, oh gosh, it's like my core. Okay, here we go. Engage the core, engage the core. Okay, so... But, but, but catch this, catch this. Uh, because posture says something. Body language says something. And, and when, when you see Jesus that He is seated, this actually says something. And, and what it says is, is profound. I'll put it to you this way. Um, I actually, uh, me and my wife, Alana, years ago, we won a trip uh, to South Africa on safari. We, it was a free, well, she won it. But when you get married, two become one. So I win. So... <laughs> So, so we go to South Africa to go on um, safari. And when we were in South Africa, the, the guy who picked us up from Johannesburg to drive us to the privately owned safari park called Makutsi, man, it was awesome. Like this big, huge gates you'd, you'd go through into his privately owned safari park. And he actually got me to open the gate. He's like, can you get out of the car and open the gate? I'm sure I'll do that. So I get out of the car, shut the gate behind him and pop back in the car. I'm like, man, so good. You got these big gates to keep the animals out. He's like, no, that's to keep the animals in. I said, excuse me? I said, I was out there in the wild. He's like, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I said, no, no, it's not funny at all. Could have died, right? So we then go on a drive the next day. And it was a, again, uh, it's just me and him and Alana on this car, open-ed vehicle. We go around a corner, uh, which was a blind corner in the jungle. And he stops the car and he, and he just stops and he looks to, 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 to his left and just kind of puts his leg up on the center console of the car and just looks to the left and turns to us. He's like, everyone be quiet, shh, be quiet. So what's up? He said, look over there in the grass. So what, what is it? We look over in the grass. The accent's pretty good, huh? I've been working on it. Anyway, so he says, look over there in the grass. So I, I look over the grass and literally right from, 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 back, from here to this guitar over here, there are two young male lions just sitting in the grass. I'm like, I open air vehicle. I like turn to my wife and I'm like, do you want to swap seats? You know, like, <laughs> so, so I, we're right there. I see the animals and I, I freak out. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is, I could die right now. This is crazy. A little bit dramatic, okay, but I grew up with four older sisters, explains everything. So anyway, so I'm like, I, I freak out. But then I look at Piers, our driver, and he's just chilled out. He's relaxed. I'm like, whoa, okay. And then I look back at the lions. I'm like, oh. Then I look at Piers. I'm like, oh. oh, oh. Look at the lions. Oh. Look at Piers. Oh. And this goes back and forth for about two minutes, right? I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And then I, and then I finally, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, right? But, but I eventually look at Piers and I had this thought, my goodness, he doesn't even have to say anything, but his posture is telling me he's not worried. And not only is he not worried, but this is his safari park. This is not his first drive. This is not the first encounter he has had with these animals. He has been there before. And if he is relaxed, why am I not? And the only difference was that I had my eyes focused on them and not focused on him. His posture told me that I could actually be at peace, not at despair. So when the Bible says, fix your eyes on heaven where Christ is seated, guess what Christ is not doing? He is not standing and He is not pacing right now going, oh my gosh, I know they prayed about this, but I didn't really think that I could do this right now. Like, there's a lot of stuff going overseas and I don't know, like, what am I supposed to, like, He is not worried about your condition. He's not worried about what you're going through. He is seated in a position of authority. Yeah. So then that tells me, hey, stop looking at the things that are trying to rob you of peace and look to the one who is the Prince of Peace and you'll find that, man, my inside, my perception, it starts to change again because I see that He is in, he's in control. I feel that's important for some people here to, to, tonight because the truth is your attention has been too much on the problem and not on the Saviour. I'm not here to tell you, like, God, we live in this side of eternity surrounded by things that will try and rob us of joy and peace. But it's in that moment, I just remind myself, no, no, I'm gonna fix my mind on things above where Christ is. He's seated. Last but not least, he actually says, um, if you're gonna change this perception problem, you're gonna, you're gonna realize he sees things you don't. You're gonna see his, his position, his posture right now is that he is at peace, he's in control, he's got this. But then last but not least, he actually says this profound thought, and I love this, it's my favorite point to, to bring home uh, of the scripture, because he actually says, not only is Christ up there and he's in control and he sees things that you don't see, and not only is he positioned, because he's in a position of authority, uh, he actually says, for you also have died. Oh. That's encouraging. I'm glad I came tonight, James. That's, real, that's a great crescendo to finish on. <laughs> We're all dead. No, no, catch this. Because um, this is actually quite liberating. Because some of the things that have formed your perception up until this point are things that happened pre-Christ. And what you need to hear tonight is this, um, let, let me say, oh man, this is, this is gonna be, this is gonna get, might blow minds a little bit, ready? Um, God is not necessarily a God of second chances. Hmm. Yeah, some of you are like, no, let, stone him. Take it easy, take it easy. No, 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 uh, this is way more liberating and deeper than just God of second chances. Because here's the thing, if God was a God of second chances, the truth is, I'd probably just go and do it again. I probably would. And if I see God as just a God of second chances, then really God is just the cleanup God. 
He's the guy that just comes in when I mess things up. You know what, it's all right, he'll give me a second chance. No, God is even greater than a God of second chance. God is not a God of second chances. God is a God of new beginnings. Catch this, catch this, catch this, ready? Because here's the thing, you're here today and you're like, man, I just need a second chance. And God's like, no, no, I'm actually not into renovation rescue. You think, man, I have that area in my life, I just need to get that fixed up. And once I get that fixed up, maybe God will help me do it and then I can get my life back on track. And God's like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't do renovation rescue. No, I demolish the old you and I make you an entirely new creation in Christ. So catch this. Some of you are thinking, man, I will never change. I will never get over that. I can never get over my past. But here's what the Bible says. The only way God could deal with the past you was not to renovate you, but to get rid of the old you. And say, no, you're an entirely new person now. And some of your perception is, no, no, I've always been that person. Yeah, well, you always were that person, but guess what? That old person is dead now. So stop saying that's who you are because that's not who you are anymore because through the work of the cross, come on, Jesus also died, but the Bible says you also died along with Him. So the old life, the sinful you, the old you died with Him. So the Bible says that you're dead. Now that's liberating. Because here's the thing, have you ever had this before? Um, have you ever gone to a funeral? Funerals are bad things to go to, but have you ever been in a funeral? The coffin has been down the front of the funeral and during the middle of the funeral ceremony, someone has burst into the, to the ceremony and actually run down the front and start yelling at the dead body. Man, you owe me money. You're a loser. You did this. Like, have you ever seen that? And if you did, that is quite a profound, unusual thing to see. But the truth is none of us can honestly say, oh man, I've seen that before. Now here's the reason why. There is no point in accusing a dead person. They're dead. So catch this. When you and I gave our lives to Christ, you died. So when the devil comes in with accusations from the things you did in the past, guess what he finds? He finds the dead you and there's no point in having accusation against a dead person. So so watch this. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, here we go, here we go. Not only are you dead, so the old you's dead, so you gotta get that perception fixed right now because you are not the person you used to be. Someone needs to hear that tonight. No, I'll never change. Yeah, you wouldn't have never changed had it not been for Jesus' work on the cross, but you're a new you now. And the Bible says not only are you dead, but watch this, you are hidden. Oh man. Okay, I like my phone, I enjoy my phone, but if I just say to you, um, hey, if you want this phone, you're gonna have to get through me. The fact that some of you laughed is a little bit offensive, but anyway, that's, <laughs> thank you, yeah. But don't be fooled, don't be fooled, because you push me in a corner, come on, I'm like a wild animal, I'll scratch your eyes out, okay, so. <laughs> but but um, if I was to say that, if I was to say, you want this phone, you have to come through me. Some of you would be like, yeah, yeah, I could probably take him. I probably could. But if I was to get um, a heavyweight, UFC fighting champion. And I was to hand him the phone and say, if you wanna get that phone, you have to go through him. You'd be like, nah, not really into phones. (laughs) Ah, keep it, keep it. I don't even like technology. Going back to pen and paper. But that same guy, that same guy was to get that phone and was to put it in his pocket and say the same, come on, you want it? You have to go through me. You'd be like, no, I can't even see it anymore. All I can see is you, and I definitely don't wanna mess with you. So check this, the devil comes along, he tries to find the old you, and what he finds is actually the dead you. My goodness, well, I came to accuse him, but he's dead. What am I gonna do with that? 
oh, but I know there's a new life in Christ because he does know Scripture, he knows what happens. And the devil then goes, well, where is, where, where is she? Where is he? And then what they, the, fight, the, the devil actually finds, what Paul's trying to say here is that when he goes to find you, all he can see is Christ. Where is she? Where is he? Oh, no, 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 he, he's, he's hidden, she's hidden. And if you wanna get to them, you gotta go through me. And when he sees Jesus, he says, no, I can't touch you because you defeated me through the work of the cross. He is now spotless, blemishless, blameless Jesus. And guess what? Because you are hidden in Him, you're also the same. You are a new creation. The old you is dead, the new you is hidden in Him. Catch that. Now I, saw, I say all that to say this. Maybe just maybe all the things that you're, you're struggling with, the problems you're going through, you're like, man, maybe if I change my marriage, maybe if I change my job, maybe if I change my church, and maybe just maybe it's not your position. Maybe it's your perception right now. Maybe you need to have a realignment with again with the truth of what Jesus did on your behalf and go, my goodness, that's right. Man, He, he sees things I don't see. So maybe this whole situation right now is Him just trying to develop something in me. And man, okay, God, you see what I, and I trust that you got a breakthrough coming. So I'm just gonna keep trusting you. And not only that, God, I trust because you're seated in a position of authority and you're at peace so I can be at peace. But not only that, God, I thank you that I'm not who I was. I'm not the person I once was, that I'm dead to those things. And now I'm hidden in you, Lord. So I'm just at peace. And I'm telling you, this perception changes your reality. And that's, that's really what I came all the way here to San Diego to say that maybe it's not, the position, maybe it's the perception. So what's your perception right now? Not even, let's talk about perception of you. Again, let's start there. You realise that once you say yes to Jesus, that old you is, is dead. Yeah, but James, um, I, keep on, I keep on relapsing a little bit back into the old me. Hey, welcome to the party. Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm dead, but why do I keep going back to some of those things that I know are not who I am anymore. And I'll put it to you this way. Have you ever, um, you ever moved house to a nearby neighbourhood? And on the way home from work, you're distracted, you got a phone call, and you pull up at your old address. And you're like, oh, what an idiot. I don't live here anymore. Do you know what sin is, this side of salvation? It's just you showing up at your old address. You don't live there anymore. So you need to remind yourself, no, no, this is not who I am anymore. Yeah, we're gonna have moments, we're gonna stumble. The Bible says, come on, we, we are in a constant journey of sanctification. In other words, God is transforming me, but I'm gonna keep finding moments where I struggle with certain things, but I'm gonna remind myself of my struggles. This is not who I am anymore. This is not where I live anymore. The Bible says in Colossians, come on, for He has rescued it out, out of the kingdom of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of light, where through we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, so, I feel to encourage some people today, like, man, you're gonna let God transform your mind. You gotta get a new perception. But start with God's perception of God, and that is Jesus. It's Jesus. I feel to say this as we as we wrap up. And this is like this Vision Builders Month, and and I, I gotta be honest with you, um, I, I struggle with trusting God with money. I did. And I had to remind myself in every area of my life, my, my marriage, my money, my relationships, guess what? He has a perspective on this. He can see what I can't see. He's seated in this situation and I'm a new creator and He's doing new things in me all the time. So either way, I can trust Him in every area of my life. 
had a meeting this week um, just before I flew out with a, you know, we, we planted our church uh, just a little over five years ago and eight people in our living room and, and roughly around about 500 people now showing up at our church. And it's just been really cool to watch what God's doing. And yeah, yeah. But I, I'll be honest with you, I'm like, God, I just, I just need to keep trusting you. Like, I want to get my mind set on things above, especially in the area of finances in our church. And, and I keep on, God, this is your church. This is your church. This is your church. This is your church. And I sat down with a business guy this week. And he is just a generous, beautiful, amazing, godly man. He said, James, you know what? I actually had a bit of a perception shift around money. I said, really? Like, dude, you're super generous. What do you mean? He actually said, well, um, I, um, I have a business, 80 employees. I'm doing really well. And me and my family, we're taken care of. He said, but I've also got a second business that makes a lot of profit. But I realised that that second business God gave me to actually fund kingdom things. So everything that my business makes, the second business, it's all for the church now. And I, and I sat there, I'm like, oh my gosh, God. Like, and I, didn't, I didn't say that to, to brag on, on me or on our church, but I'm here to brag on God. Because really, God, God is constantly, even now to this day, changing my perception on every area, especially on the areas of life I struggle to trust Him with. And as we go into kingdom builders, vision builders, I, I wanna encourage you, let God maybe change your perception on that area too. Really? Like He's the same God for every one of those areas. Not just for the transformation side of me, but for the actual nine to five side of me. Every day of my, my money side, my marriage side, He just wants to change your perception. Hey, God's got control. He's got this. So maybe change your perception. So I wanna do this right now as we close. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we finish here today? And in a moment of privacy and reflection, I wanna ask this. What's your perception of God? What's your perception of God? How do you see Him? Maybe a previous church experience has, has formed your perception of God and the truth is it's not a healthy one. Maybe a friend or a family member who called themselves a Christian, they lived a certain way and now you're kind of like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can trust Christians or man, I don't, I, I don't know, my perception of God is it's pretty distorted to be honest with you, James. And what I've hoped to do today is really kind of bring some high definition to the person of Jesus. And if you were to let Him in, and you would say, God, I'm, I want you to meet me where I'm at right now. And I'm, I've got some doubts, I've got some struggles, I've got some perception problems, but Lord, would you meet me where I'm at? And I'm so grateful for God because he He's not reluctant to do that. He doesn't stand at a distance and say, well, when you prefabricate and perfect yourself, get yourself together, then I might come and meet with you. No, He just meets you wherever you're at. So what's your perception of God? And if you do not have relationship with Him, because whatever perception has caused you to push away from Him, God's saying, no, I'm trying to make it clear today. Just come to me. Don't walk from me. Trust me. Trust me with your life. I got this. I got you. But you've got to let me in. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com. 